Hello and welcome to High Tea Obsessed. I am your host, Thomas Boomhauer, and today for the sixth episode of the third season, which is dedicated to all things heists, I am joined by the once and future student council dictator, Christopher Broderick Hans. What's going on, dude? Pleasure to be on, you know. Uh, never forget about that election, you know. Dictator mm-hmm. for life, CA uh, Middle School yep. represent. <laughs> The election was stolen from him, ironically. It was rigged. Today, my lovely people, my lovely listeners, what we're going to be doing, Chris and I, we're talking about reservoir dogs, which I can't really say reservoir because I want a spelling bee, so they kicked me out of speech therapy. So never got my issues sorted out there, people. Anyway, we're talking about that. It's one of the most iconic heist movies of all time, despite the fact that it doesn't show the heist. And it launched the career of one of our great directors of all time, Quentin Tarantino. Launched him into not only director stardom, but actual stardom. This guy hosted Saturday Night Live. He would appear as like the first guest on late night shows. He'd be like the big kahuna that they bring out. And it's just like, it's something we haven't seen from directors, really. Anyway, for these movie episodes, as you guys know by now, what we do is we have a summary We have a little bit of discussion about how we feel about the movie, and then we launch into our categories to talk about the movie itself. So if there's no objections from anyone in the studio audience, let's get rolling. Put the gun down! Hear your names, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? Who cares what your name is? Yeah, that's easy for you to say. You're Mr. White. You have a cool-sounding name. Let's go to work. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling there's something right. What happens if the manager won't give you the diamonds? Cut off one of his fingers. The little one. I'm so scared because I'm falling in the chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. If they hadn't have done what I told them not to do, they'd still be alive. You're acting like a first year thief. I'm acting like a professional. Choice you've been doing 10 years. Taking out some stupid motherfucker. Ain't no choice at all. Bam. Bam, 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 bam. You're under arrest, sugar. Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Chris Penn, Steve Buscemi, Lawrence Tierney, and Michael Madsen. They're the Reservoir Dogs. Hey, Joe, want me to shoot this guy? So the summaries this season are provided by IMDb, just because it's easier than me typing out, like, some weird long monologue. And I usually don't do as good of a job as these brief summaries. Besides, if you haven't seen the movie and you need like a more in-depth summary, get out of here and go watch the movie and then come back. Yes. All right. So, six criminals who are strangers to each other are hired by a crime boss, Joe Cabot, to carry out a diamond robbery. Right at the outset, they are given false names with the intention that they won't get too close and will concentrate on the job instead. They are completely sure that the robbery is going to be a success. But when the police show up right at the time and the site of the robbery, panic spreads amongst the group members and two of them are killed in the subsequent shootout, along with a few policemen and civilians. When the remaining people assemble at the premeditated rendezvous point, a warehouse, they begin to suspect that one of them is an undercover cop. So there are a few things that set this movie apart from others. One, we don't see the heist, and I think that's pretty brilliant because it allows us to try to figure out how the heist goes on throughout in the aftermath. And like I said, it was Quentin Tarantino's directorial debut. We have a little bit more on that later in the tidbit section. 
And it's just like such a confident movie for a first-time director. It opens with a five-minute monologue of the director monologuing about the meaning of Like a Virgin by Madonna. Unreal heat chat from a guy who was prepared to make this movie on a 16mm camera with his best friend for $30,000. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So, Chris, Reservoir Dogs, is this your favorite Tarantino movie? Is this your favorite heist movie? What is this movie to you? I'd say, to me, this movie is honestly the best heist movie out of all the movies, out of all the movies within this genre. Um, I I think so because I, I think it shows that you don't need to turn it into an action movie necessarily for it to be suspenseful, for it to have a great plot, and for it to really just kind of tell a whole story with more atmosphere than kind of just hard action and like explosions mm-hmm. and stuff. Because like, as, yeah, as you've mentioned, there's really no, uh, th- yeah, there's no video of the heist essentially. Yeah, there's tidbits of like stories afterwards and things like that. But really the story is just about the conflict before and right. after the heist and kind of just what brought it to its uh, climax, essentially. So I, th- I think um, maybe not the best Tarantino movie, in my opinion, because, you know, I'm, I'm a little biased towards Inglorious Bastards and, you know, Hateful Eight and those. But uh, I don't know, for an hour and a half flick, uh, it's impressive that Tarantino, you know, was able to pack so much into it for a guy who's known for making like three, four hour long movies. I know. That was one of the things that stood out to me. I've, I had only seen it once before and I didn't remember a ton <laughs> of what happened. So, yeah. And then one of the reasons I never went back to it is because I assumed it would be like two and a half hours or three hours long, and it's just an hour and a half. And I was like, oh, wow, this is easy. Oh, yeah. And it's so easy good. Peak. But I agree. I don't think this is his best. It's definitely not my favorite of his movies. I think that's Jane Doe's my favorite, which I don't know if that's the best, but big fan of that one. That's- um, this also isn't my favorite heist movie. That one, I believe, is The Town, but I have to rewatch a ton, so we'll see if that ends up being The Town at the end. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll regroup at the end of yep. this season, you know? So I listened to another podcast about this movie before we, we recorded this one, and all of those people, they're in like their late 30s to 50s. It's three people. I think one guy's in his 40s, one guy's like about 52, one guy's in his late 30s. So they have a completely different experience with this movie than we did because this movie came out four years before we were born. And so mm-hmm. we haven't lived in a time when Quentin Tarantino wasn't a star. Like, there was always a sort of, I don't know about you, but growing up, like, I was, it was a checkpoint in my life when I was old enough to be allowed to watch Quentin Tarantino movies, I guess. Like, I was waiting for this to be a thing. Because, it, you know, there's the aura of the hyperviolence, the language and all that stuff. So I think the first one I was old enough to see and that one was pretty dicey. I was like 11. I was allowed to watch Inglorious Bastards like a year or two, like a year after it came out. So probably I was 12. And so after that, I was just like, That's I need to watch one. all of these movies. And it took me a little bit, but I have, you know, all the Tarantino flicks. <laughs> and I just love them. So is this is this the Thomas Boomhauer origin yes. story right here, you know, for the cinephile? Basically, <laughs> I feel like a lot of the stuff, it's just like, you know, the all the references, the fast talking, the weird, like... I don't know. I feel like I I think so because Tarantino is like all references, and that's also me. I'm like like these podcasts are filled with references okay. that only I get. So and uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think at one point, season two or three was going to be all Tarantino. You, Mike, and I were discussing that it was, but so at some point we probably will will redo this episode and we'll do just the Quentin Tarantino filmography as a season. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll definitely do this in context of like his other movies. I think yeah, that's we'll have a to do call. a deep dive into him. Um, anyway, oh, that yeah. brings us to the categories. I think first category: this scene slaps, aka the best scene, and I have a number of nominees. So the opening scene, which I included, the full opening scene. I some other, that's you could break this into multiple scenes if you wanted. But the light of virgin discussion, which is really, it's like five minutes. Quentin Tarantino, a.k.a. Mr. Brown, posits that Light of Virgin is about a guy with a really big dick. More <laughs> on that later. And then we get uh, Harvey Keitel, Mr. White, steals Joe's book because he's just being annoying with it. He can't enjoy his breakfast. He's got this guy talking about pop music. He's got this guy ruffling around with his book. Uh, we got another song discussion after that. And then we got Bush, uh, Steve Buscemi, Mr. Pink. 
Doesn't believe in tipping. Oof. Hot take. Bad take from our guy. Very bad take. Uh, and then Harvey Keitel has like all the consumer data report <laughs> statistics about waitresses. <laughs> straight stuff. And then Mr. Orange wants his tip back. All that stuff is great. We get like a nice setup. We get all these characters. We did a heat chat from Tarantino, like I said, just fi- opening his first movie with a discussion about pop culture. Great stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. I think to just add to that real quickly, I, I love, like, my favorite part of the scene is just how, like, they have the camera panning around the whole table right. the whole time while they're discussing this. So it's just kind of like you get a feel for, like, everyone's reaction yes, to this. Yes, perfect. That was, that's great. That's a great note, Chris. The next scene I have is the little green bag walking out scene. You know, the iconic scene that's been ripped off a million times. Everyone in their suits ripping sages. That was the Partridge family's Doesn't Somebody Want to Be Wanted? Followed by Edison Lighthouse's Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes. As K-Billy's super sounds of the 70s weekend just keeps on trucking. And despite the fact that it's been ripped off a million times, I think it's still probably the best walkout scene and definitely one of the best. Just goes hard. Just goes yeah. hard in general. <laughs> like, I honestly no further words on that, really. It's just hard as I know. Cool. I mean, we don't really need to. <laughs> yeah. uh, the next one I have is Mr. Pink Runs Away, which is, you know, we're in the thing. We're in the warehouse with him and Mr. White, and he talks about escaping from the, the job gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's just this scene is Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> like, he's running around, he's shooting at cops, the cops are chasing him, he's hitting people on the way, the people are yelling at him, and it's like, they, he hits, he crashes into people, and they're like, oof, and they're like, you fucker, you asshole, like, it's literally Grand Theft Auto, and oh, then yeah. he gets hit by a car, and then steals the car exactly like you do in Grand Theft Auto, like, mm-hmm. verbatim, like, ball holes through the window, just ripping them out, you know? <laughs> yes, like, this movie, there's no way you can tell me this movie didn't inspire Grand Theft Auto. I actually had more to say about that in a different context later. So, yeah, definitely. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. (laughs) Mr. White and Mr. Pink talked about what happened, what went wrong. Just just basically them in the warehouse before Mr. Blonde gets there. And then I have the next scene. Mr. Blonde shows up. And that's just incredible. Because he's just sitting there. He's got the soda. He's just like, what's going on? He's hot shit to Harvey Keitel. Keitel's fired up. I have some of the quotes from that in a little bit. Yes. And it also plays off, there wasn't real animosity, but like some joking animosity between them in the opening scene when Mr. Blonde asked Joe if he wants him to shoot Harvey Titel when Titel steals the book. Mm-hmm. Man, I love it. The next scene, I don't know how you want to characterize this, but it's the torture scene, the Mr. Blonde stuck in the middle with you scene. Like, So basically, uh, nice guy Eddie shows up, mm-hmm. he does his whole thing. Nice guy, Eddie, Mr. Paint, Mr. White leave to get rid of all the cars. And then everything that happens from there until Mr. Orange shoots Mr. Blonde. All that stuff. Incredible. Amazing. I I think, yeah, just that scene in general, I think, is one of the most iconic scenes in cinema history. Yeah. It's kind of like it shows like the cool temper of like a psychopath, essentially, where like just cranks up the radio and just butchers a guy. Yes, and he he's like, this is my favorite, like, Mitch tape, basically. And he starts dancing. Oh, man, was it? Yeah, no, the, uh, was it? Kate Billy's Super Sound of the 70s. I, yep. I, I took note of that just because I love it. Like, the radio it's, DJ in general. <laughs> it's great stuff. Okay. He's just like, I'm going to torture you. Like, I don't care what you have to say. I know you don't know anything. Yeah. I just like torturing cops. I find it amusing. <laughs> man, um, man. And then... Next one, next scene, and so one thing about this movie and a lot of Tarantino movies, I don't know if a lot, but this one and Pulp Fiction especially, mm-hmm. it's more a collection of scenes sewn together than a movie. Like, so it's hard to pitch. Like, if you go best scene category, yeah. every scene is incredible because it's a bunch of vignettes. So the Mr. Orange origin story, like, so we see he's under front of her top. He's like, I gotta memorize all these lines. So like, you gotta be Marlon Brando, motherfucker, to be under cover. <laughs> And then him in the train station, like the fake train station story. Nice guy Eddie eats it up. Oof! Uh, yeah, I was, I was gonna say that. that. Yep. <laughs> so 
So, I don't know. There, there's probably several scenes there, but I included that all as one scene. Oh, yeah. And then the names picked out scene where they're like, Mr. Paint doesn't want to be Mr. Paint. Mr. Brown doesn't want to be Mr. Brown. Yeah. And, and Joe's just like, you know, I tried letting people pick out their own names, but then you got four people who don't know each other or they all want to be Mr. Black. Doesn't work. Exactly. And, you know, great like, stuff. Great scene, even though, you know, some of it's questionable for 2021. Like, but I, I think, yes, yeah, that's in, pick it that's in our nitpicks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, I just, we can just say that now. So there's a lot of like, racism sexism homophobia in this movie yeah and so it was criticized even at the time which good job 1992 film critics and people good job by them Shout for out. once being doing, doing good um <laughs> but tarantino says that it was important to show them being like funny and nasty just like being likable and then also being nasty disgusting people yeah and it was also important to show them being like very smart and then also really fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. So he know like basically he knows he knew what he was doing and he it was a choice. It wasn't yeah. like casual. And it's fair to question if he had to do it. There are other ways to show that these people are horrible, vir- like nasty, disgusting people without having them be like super racist as yeah, they are like throughout the, the movie. Yeah, the N word and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but it was a choice, I guess is yeah. what we'll say. Anyway, uh, were there any scenes that you felt, thought that I missed? Uh, I, I kind of want, uh, I think you nailed it on the head for some of the best scenes in it, but I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of elaborate on one of them. Uh, okay. Kind of the one that stood out for me was uh, part of the Mr. Orange origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I freaking love when like he's just like sitting there with the scripts and stuff trying to like memorize stuff. But the mm-hmm. thing that stood out for me in his whole origin story was when he's at the bar with uh what's what's his face uh joe cabot and uh nice guy eddie and mr white mm-hmm. and he's sitting there describing the scene where like he's at like the train station with the weed and so mm-hmm. when he walks into the bathroom and he's describing this scene while he's at a bar he he walks into the bathroom and there's like four cops there and a dog so i walk into the men's room and who's standing there four los angeles county sheriffs and a german shepherd they're waiting for you? No, it's just a bunch of cops hanging out in the men's room talking. When I walked through the door, they all stopped what they were talking about, and they looked at me. <laughs> That's hard, man. That's a fucking hard situation. <laughs> German Shepherd starts barking. He's barking at me. I mean, it's obvious. He's barking at me. Every nerve ending, all my senses, blood in my veins, everything I have is screaming. Take off, man. Just bail. Just get the fuck out of there. Panic hits me like a bucket of water. First, there's a shock of it. Bam! Right in the face. I'm just standing there, drenched in panic, and all these sheriffs looking at me, and they know, man, they can smell it. Sure as that fucking dog can. They can smell it on me. Shut up. So, hey, so, so anyway, I got my gun drawn, right? And I got to point it right at this guy. I tell him, freeze, don't fucking move. And this little idiot's looking right at me, Nodding his head, yeah, and he's saying, I know, I know, I know. But meanwhile, his right hand is creeping towards the glove box. And I scream at him. I go, asshole, I'm going to fucking blow you away right now. Put your hands on the dash. And he's still looking at me, nodding his head, you know. I know, buddy, I know, I know. And meanwhile, you know, his hand is still going for the glove box. And I said, buddy, I'm going to shoot you in the face. If you don't put your hands on the fucking dash. And then this guy's girlfriend, this real sexy oriental bitch, you know, she starts screaming at him, Chuck, Chuck, what are you doing? Listen to the officer and put your hands on the dash. So, you know, then like, like nothing. The guy snaps out of it and casually puts his hands on the dash. What was he going for? This fucking registration. Ha! <laughs> You're kidding. No, man, stupid fucking citizen doesn't know how close he came to getting blown away. That close, man. I love the way that like they filmed this freaking scene because like he like as he's telling the story, he's like talking while he's in the bathroom about like the scene setting and everything. So like it's kind of just like a, a blend of like him making up the story in his head and also him like bullshitting like with the scene like being pictured on screen. So like you, you kind of get what I'm like, getting at there, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's great that we cut away to oh, the scene yeah. he's describing 
as he's describing it. And then another part of that scene is the cops, their conversation is crazy too. He said, I will shoot you, motherfucker. I'm going to blow you away. Hands on the fucking dash. And he's like reaching for his registration. It's just like, oh, yeah. Tough look for the LAPD. Yeah, no. And like, yeah, I was going to say, I'm putting this in context. I think uh, I might have the timeline wrong, but this is like pre um, uh, Rodney King riots and stuff. So it's just like, it seemed like there was a cultural awareness of kind of the yeah. uh, the police brutality yes. and freaking uh, for sure, for sure. But no, just that scene in general, I loved um, just kind of how like, and when he like went to like the blow dryer, it just turned into like mm-hmm. this ominous noise and it just like made yeah. me freaking anxious. Yeah, I mean, Quentin Tarantino, great director, right from the jump. Oh, yeah. So if you yeah, had to pick right. one, would the <laughs> Mr. Orange origin story be your favorite scene? Or like at least when he's in the bathroom? Yeah, I'd say I'd say the bathroom slash bar. Well, yeah. Like he's talking mm-hmm. in the bar, but talking about the bathroom. I think that's my favorite okay. scene because it's just so unique, and you don't see that in many. Movies. My favorite scene is the torture scene. It's just it's that's my second. It's favorite. incredible. Yes, <laughs> like even when he goes to get the gas can, yeah. it's just insane. And then Mr. Orange just pa 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 pa. Empties yeah. it. Empties the and it's clip. it's so shocking because you forget about him with how much like horrible stuff's going on, oh, and like yeah. all the how much happens between him passing out there and all that stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's wild. It's also like I feel like that scene is so hyped up with how violent it is, but they cut away from most of the violence really. Yeah, like it's and almost like, like even the the ear isn't that disgusting. Right. That's what really. I was gonna say. It's like the. The Dark Knight, so the pencil scene was so hyped up. Everyone, like, you look away from the pencil scene at first, like, mm-hmm. the first and second time you watch it, and then you watch it, and you're like, oh, they've cut away. Like, I remember yeah. when I first saw it, I remembered the pencil going into the guy's head and them showing it, and then I watched it again, and I yep. was like, wait, they don't show that. And so the ear-cutting scene, it's so hyped up, it's like the most graphic, disgusting scene you'll ever see. And it's like Quentin Tarantino exactly. tops that 20 times in Pulp Fiction alone. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that brings us to best characters. I only have four, but there are, you know, we could go however we want. Actually, all right, so one of the ones I have on my list I want to remove, so I still have four, though. All right, Ooh. nice guy, Eddie. Okay. I don't know if he's the best character. I liked him as, you know, he's coming in, he's charming, He's he dials it up at the end when he's like, don't you point that fucking gun at my dad dials it up over acting award but great stuff from him uh mr white with a bullet very cool like great performance by the guy harvey titel aka special agent in charge from national treasure love harvey just from national treasure i'm all in i was gonna say i knew you're gonna reference it from national treasure i love it (laughs) uh mr pink you know he's the only fucking professional among them Mm -hmm. and then mr blonde i don't know like best character as in we like him, no, but just as a memorable character that sits with you from the movie, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you said you were gonna remove. One I had Joe on the list, list because you... I I like make these as I'm going through it, like as I'm watching the movie, mm-hmm. I'm I'm writing stuff down. I have my notes, so I had him because he was he has a couple good things, but yeah. As I continued watching, I was like, nah. Oh yeah. Nah, because. Yeah, no, I, I love him. I, he's not even on my list, but I love uh, who, who's the one. I think it was Mister uh, Mister Orange that described him as the guy that looks like the thing from Fantastic Four. Yes, I think so. Oh, yeah, Mister is Mister Orange on your list? What uh, are there? Who's so? Who's on your list for best character? All right, uh, I think my number one mm-hmm. is Mister Pink. Okay, um, I, I, I'm in my opinion could be wrong, could disagree. I think this is the best acting Steve Buscemi has ever had, aside from Spy Kids. This Jesus is Christ. he knocked it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, so it's that's another thing. Like Steve Buscemi was always a thing for us. Like he wasn't like this is I think the movie that made him. But mm-hmm. for us, he was always a thing. Like we always knew him. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. wasn't like a superstar or anything like that. But we always knew that he was like a, an actor that was famous. And I think for yeah. people our age, he's like a, almost a meme famous, but like also oh, yeah. a very talented performer, as we see. Like he's in this, he's in The Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. of course, uh, and then all the collaborations. So Buscemi, you know, he's got these collaborations with Quentin Tarantino, one of the all-time great geniuses. 
of oh, yeah. movie geniuses, at least. And then we have his collaborations with Adam Sandler, another one of the all-time great movie geniuses. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he just brings, like, because he, he's like a New Yorker. He's like a firefighter. He brings that, like, blue-collar mob boss type of vibe already. So, like, he just only acts. Yeah. <laughs> like, him and Titel are very believable as criminals. Oh, I think all the people yeah. are really that they have, except for Mr. Blue, who's barely in it. I think Eddie Bunter is oh, his yeah, name. Yeah. He's just like, I don't know. He was the only one that well, I wasn't like, I believe they could pull off a diamond heist, but he's barely in it, so it doesn't really matter. And then also, Quentin Tarantino, I feel like, is a terrible actor. And yep. Yep. his, like, I'm so we'll get to this later, but he really wanted to be Mr. Pink. Actually, I'll, I'll just bring it up now because we're talking about it. But So, Quentin Tarantino really wanted to be Mr. Pink. He auditioned a bunch of actors for it. And so, Buscemi's in there auditioning. I think all the people who are in the crew auditioned for Mr. Like, most of the parts, and then they assigned yeah. him. So, Buscemi auditions for Mr. Pink. Quentin Tarantino's like, just so you know, like this role's going to me, so you'll have to knock it out of the park. Buscemi obviously does, gets the part. If, if Quentin Tarantino is... Mr. Paint. This movie would be maybe bad. Terrible. Like, it, I yeah. don't... It, oh, yeah. So, we'll get into, like, what was he thinking later, but interesting to note that he was almost Mr. Paint, and he is, like, a super... Like, him in Pulp Fiction is good when he's, like, whining a lot, but him as Mr. Paint, yeah. would it be, like... Because he has a whiny, weird voice. He's, like, pretty ugly. Not that Buscemi's, like, you know, super handsome or anything. Dud. But... It would have been, that's like, if that happens, this movie is bad. 100%. So, Mr. Painter, number one, were, were there any characters you think are could maybe be best that I didn't bring up? That you didn't bring up? I, I don't know. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, Mr. White and Mr. Blonde, like, they just give off that presence of, like, I'm a mobster, yes. I'm a bank robber, like... I think they really just brought that out like in full force. Yeah, I think so. Like just the two of them, I put in like the same category in the sense that like they play their parts so well mm-hmm. as like just a mobster type of guy. Yeah, like criminals for sure. I think. Yeah. Um, I think for me, and it sounds like for you, it's Mr. Paint is number one with a bullet, and then in the step down, Mr. Blonde and Mr. White, and then step down to the rest of the cast. Yeah, I, I'd say that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So for me, it's. Mr. White, Mr. Paint are number one, and then step down, Mr. Blonde, step down, nice guy Eddie, and then step down to the rest of them. Yeah, I'm happy with saying Mr. Paint is the best character in this movie. Okay, yeah, no, I, I think uh, he he just brought it he brought it out in full force, and I think yeah. he just like not he made it realistic while also like being over the top about everything. Right, right, yeah, he's like, yeah, he definitely has like a weird edginess. You're not sure if he's gonna shoot. Yeah. Uh, Titel or whoever at any moment and like he just like maybe it's like the way he looks but he like gives off that kind of just paranoia so yes. well that yes. like he's like just wigging out anxious and skeptical and all that like let me just, ask yeah do we want to talk about Mr. Orange now or later I'd say now let's okay. do it since we're on topic of characters is Mr. Orange is Tim Roth is he good in this movie his accent breaks like 28 times and you can yeah. hear him be British. Um, he's like so over the top. I get he got shot, and I get this is a Quentin Tarantino movie, and he got shot in the gut. But he's just like, it's so weird. It reminds me of the Evil Dead. I don't know if you've seen the original Evil Dead. Nah, haven't. Okay. Okay. It reminds me of like that when they're in the basement talking to him, and it reminds me of like Dolom when he's talking to himself, and he's like, "Leave now." Yeah. And never come back. So, like that's just the. We- I don't know. Yeah. Like he has like that kind of. Sash, it's like a, that kind yeah, of it's like a weird energy, and he's just like he's screaming and saying weird things. Yeah, I don't know. And then, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I like Tim Roth as in like any of the movies I've seen him in, which I think is this Pulp Fiction, and then the 2008 Hulk movie. I think, which I think is the Incredible Hulk. Oh shoot! Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and it's just like it's just weird. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a weird casting choice. I yeah, I think that's why it was a hit in England is because he was in it. But I don't know. It's I don't. 
So I think we can say high key obsessed out on Tim Roth. Chris Hans no, out on Tim Roth. Mr. Bull, Mr. Orange recast him. Please, yeah. Cuz like I get you like he gave off the impression that he's like kind of like a greeny undercover cop type of guy who's yeah. excited for like getting into the big job or whatever. He would have been better oh. as Mr. Blonde, I feel. Well, not not better than Michael Madsen, but better than he was as Mr. Orange. He would have been a good Mr. Blonde. Yeah, like he like him as an actor, I think it'd be better as kind of more of an antagonist. Yeah, yeah. like like Mr. Blonde or something. Yeah. Yeah. Him as Mr. Orange, I don't know. Or like just have him be British. Yeah. Like if I mean so that's he couldn't be an LAPD officer, but just have him be British. Just have him be one of the other guys and be British. Yeah, like you, you could have like written it in like like freaking Joe Cabot says, Oh yeah, I brought in this like this British dude and like it would just create more of a persona for him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Best quotes, notable quotes. So this one is after Mr. Blonde asked Joe if he wants him to shoot Mr. White. Mr. White says, You shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> Loved that. Ten out of ten. This one, I believe, is Mr. White. What you're supposed to do is act like a fucking professional. A psychopath ain't a professional. You can't work with a psychopath. You don't know what those sick assholes are going to do next. And you know what? We got a psychopath epidemic in business, politics. We don't know what those guys are going to do next. Amen. And we've seen it play out. So, Mr. White, great job predicting our current political disaster. <laughs> Amen to that. That's quote, look, man, undercover cops got to be Marlon Brando, man. To do this job, you got to be a great actor. You got to be naturalistic. You got to be naturalistic as hell. If you ain't a Brando actor, you're a bad actor. And bad acting is bullshit in this job. Yeah, that's when they're on like the rooftop and he's got the script, right? Or... Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> uh, to Mr. Orange. Uh, this one is Mr. Pink. Saying here's goofy. We got to book up. Great. I just look, Mr. Paint. Yeah, he's got the best lingo in the whole movie. He's a, he's the only professional. That's why I was confused about who said the <laughs> professional quote. This one, Mr. Blonde, he says it twice. This is fucking great. Kaitel's uh, running his mouth, talking about how uh, Mr. Blonde's a psychopath, how he botched the job, he started shooting civilians. You almost killed me! If I know what kind of guy you were, I never would have agreed to work with you. <clears throat> are you gonna bark all day, little doggy? Or are you gonna bite? What was that? I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. Would you repeat it? Are you gonna bark all day, little doggy? Are you gonna bite? Oh, Christ. Hey, look, you two assholes, calm the fuck down. Hey, come on, back up. What are we on a playground here, huh? He's got the fucking soda. Super casual. He's like, if we're gonna fight, like, let's fight. Let's stop running our mouths. And they're like all buddy buddy yeah, after that. The way weird. he presented it too. He's just sitting there. He's got his soda in hand, just hanging out. Yeah. Uh, oh, and yeah. then this one is also Mr. Pink. Fuck sides, man. What we need here is a little solidarity. Somebody's sticking a red hot poker up our asses, and I want to know whose name's on the handle. Let's, like, Steve Buscemi, great guy. Pitch, uh, again, predicting our political environment. <laughs> There's a million great quotes. This is a Tarantino movie. What ones you got, Chris? All right, I got just, like, three quick uh, Mr. Pink ones, just because he's freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. um, the, the one that, like, first stood out for me is, like, they're, they're in the warehouse. They're anxious. And then just Mr. Pink mm -hmm. uh, says, I think, the Mr. White. He's just, uh, me saying he definitely had nothing to do with it is ridiculous. I mean, I can say I definitely didn't do it because I know what I did or didn't do, but I can definitely not say that about anybody else because I don't definitely know. For all I know, you're the fucking rat. It's just like such a word jumble that like he just does so smoothly. He's freaking out and he's just sitting yeah. here like. And it still made sense at the same time oh, yeah. somehow. But he's basically saying like, you can't definitely say anything about anything except for what you know, which is and the only thing you know is what you do. Brilliantly put. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> what else oh, you got, I just kid? love because after that's after he says that immediately after he's just like, I got to take a squirt. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just an expression you never hear. Because it's yeah, weird. Like, what the fuck, Steve? You Like, come on, man. <laughs> 
Yeah. And then uh, was it another one? It's just uh, I didn't create this situation. I'm dealing with it. After Mr. White tells him, he told him his real name and all that stuff. Right. So he's just like he's yeah. just wigging out. He's pissed and he's dropping quote after quote. So yeah, great yeah. oh, stuff. Yeah. Filled with yeah. I don't know if this movie is like it's very quotable necessarily, but it's just like. A lot of good stuff is said, of course. Like, the dialogue is fast, it's smart. It's yeah, great. and it fits in with, like, the environment that they create in the movie. Yes. Yeah. If you could add another character from another heist movie, would you do it? So, this category, I'm trying to get it off the ground. First three movies, terrible fits for it. Mm-hmm. Terrible fits. Because all of them, it's like, you probably would change up some members of the crew or the cop who's chasing them. This one, we don't really see the cops. Like, they're nameless, faceless cops besides Mr. Orange. Um, and then the other people. It's like all these movies that I picked have such specific vibes. You can't really change yeah. them. So I don't know that I would add anyone. I think if I did, I would change Mr. Orange. Mm-hmm. But I don't know who I would change, who it would be. Oh, I got a clear answer for this one just just because okay. it, it stands out in my mind i think right. uh what's uh what's his face mr brown quentin tarantino in the movie mm-hmm. like, yep the guy has one job he's a little greeny and he has a weird voice and he just looks lanky all he had to do was mm-hmm. drive guy crashes into a car mm-hmm. as he's making a turn like you can't get worse than yeah that. terrible so I, I like in my opinion they need someone like what's his face uh dom from fast and furious vin diesel get him okay. in here cruising him around and the heist would go so from fast five oh, yeah. <laughs> okay that's good that's that's great so i'm gonna work off that i'm gonna say can we get i just it would this is actually perfect because the whole rant is about music you know who's obsessed with music baby driver yes. from baby driver he like He's getting them away. He's getting them to the warehouse scot free. Everyone survives except for so if people got shot inside the diamond store, they're oh, done. Yeah. So only Mister Blue dies. Everyone else lives. In this case, ooh, I like that. Like- Mister Orange never gets shot, so we got Miss. That's great. That was a good tall dress. Yeah. So we got Baby Driver being weird, <laughs> talking about Madonna, <laughs> and Ansel Eldor seems he's got some gross allegations against him. Yeah. So. Maybe not Ansel Eldor. We get someone else playing. Maybe we get Miles Teller in there playing Baby Driver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone someone with a less questionable. Person. But we did Baby Driver. Yeah. That, that's what I would do. We did Baby Driver. I love it. Cause then we did also, we probably did run, uh, even though it's 1992, we did run the jewels in there. Yeah. Great stuff. We got to Killer Mike up in here. He'd be great for this heist. Yep. <laughs> Killer Mike. That's, yeah. Killer Mike, he could be, I mean, if he's just... Mr. I don't know how great of an actor Tiller Mike is. He's been in a few things. Tiller Mike could easily be Mr. Blue, who does yeah, nothing. Mr. Blue or Joe Cabot, just like the the boss behind the deck. Yeah. Kind of guy. Oh my God, Tiller Mike as Joe Cabot is perfect oh. for us, even though he's not in a heist movie. So that's what we got. We got Baby Driver, we got or Dom, and then Tiller Mike as Joe Cabot. Oh, great man. casting. Even though 1992, who knows what Tiller Mike was up to? I don't care. <laughs> All due respect to Killer Mike. All right. <laughs> Well, I do care what Taylor Mike was up to. I don't care about the fit. I'm just putting him in the movie no matter Amen what. Amen to that. <laughs> anyway, now we have some questions. This is nitpicks, anything that stood out to you. Uh, obviously, we already talked about the racism, all that gross yeah. stuff. There was a better way to do it. I'm sure 2021, Quentin Tarantino would have handled it differently. Yeah. Probably would have kept some of it in. Probably would have minimized the hateful language, which I think is the key to that stuff. I think we can express that these people are uh, racist without going all the way to the extreme that they did. Anyway, moving on, keeping this fun and light. (laughs) Uh, We've also said Mr. Orange's accent isn't great. I don't like him in this movie, Uh, especially when he's like in the aftermath of him being shot. Just him yelling is so weird. Mm Mm-hmm. We've already talked about this a little, but why on earth? Like, what was going through Quentin Tarantino's mind that he was going to be Mr. P? Yeah. He- this is like some Kanye West level narcissism. <laughs> yeah. Like, does he think he's that good of an actor? I think his few lines in the movie are just so. Inter- like, you can put anyone in the position he was in, and they would do it just as well, if not better. Like, it, he's very yes. just bland, kind of. 
Yeah. Um, have you seen From Dust Till Dawn? Yes. Okay, so I think, to my knowledge of Quentin Tarantino, that's, like, his... That's the movie that I've seen him in the most, mm-hmm. like... He has the most screen time yeah. in, and he's so bad in oh, that. Yeah. And it's just, like... So him as Mr. Paint would have been a disaster. Yeah. Like, he, he just... Yeah, like, I, I think the man... Yeah, I I respect him. I think he's a great writer, screen act, screenwriter, blah, 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 all that. But just his mm-hmm. acting just is so bad. Like, in the sense that he would be... He makes a good supporting character, maybe, like, in the background. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he... he right, like, in Pulp Fiction, it's a good amount. In Jane Doe, he's mm-hmm. in it. He has a weird Australian accent, but he's like that level, like the cameo level. Of Quentin Tarantino is enough. Anything more, it's like get oh, out, yeah. get out of here. Um, another one, the, I guess I don't know that this matters to nitpick for us, but the all the members of the heist are all white. Mm-hmm. Probably would have added a little diversity in there. Would have been nice. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I mean, this movie was made basically because Harvey Keitel liked yeah. it. So it wasn't like they had an extensive casting search and all that stuff. And obviously Tarantino has made much more diverse films mm-hmm. since. I think, yeah, he was just getting his friends together for this. But definitely in my more Basically, diverse yeah. cast would be. I mean, like if he had made this, if this was his second movie, Samuel Jackson definitely would have been. 100%. It. Yeah. Um, also, we don't hear a woman speak in this movie. Shit, I didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I don't know if the person, the old lady who shoots Mr. Orange talks, but she, like, she yells, but I don't think she says anything. Yeah, Yeah. no. Which is weird. I don't, I don't know that it's, like, an issue, really. It's just, like, a nitpick weirdness. Like, we couldn't have the waitress say one thing. Oh, yeah. No, no, I think that's... I did, like, this movie... Uh, no, sorry. Uh, I just think it speaks to, like, all right, like, the clientele of people who like it are, you know, white dudes like you and I. And, like, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, like, we, we think it's great movie really cool but yeah no like the perception of like someone else like it could be completely different because i mean there's really no representation in it and it's just yeah right (laughs) it's an old boys club kind of thing yeah but i mean like i don't think based on who joe is and who these people are i don't think a woman would be in the crew so in a way it's like there are other ways women could speak but it's not like like what this movie is Mm -hmm. there's not a great role for a woman like if the lady who shot mr orange said anything that doesn't really contribute anything you know what i mean like it's not like oh wow what a bastion of feminine (laughs) like what a great feminist movie all of a sudden yeah yeah, no we're not trying to turn this into like a woke movie or whatever you know uh people get fired up about these right it's just weird that a woman doesn't say a single word in an hour and a half of this definitely noticeable any other nitpicks chris no i I think you nail most of them on the head i I think uh just it it makes me sad hearing uh steve buscemi say the n-word um obviously yeah we've already discussed that but uh for the most part i I think just the way that they filmed it is amazing just like kind of the, the raw footage type of feel you get from it. I, I think that's great. Um, I think Quentin Tarantino sucks as an actor, and obviously we already discussed mm-hmm. that. And overall, yeah, no, I think I think we nailed uh, all of my uh, critiques on the head uh, already. Our next category. This one's pretty tough. Scene stealer coming in hot. <laughs> this one, it's like a lot of people have equal screen time, I guess. Like Mr. Blonde steals the scene, but he's in a lot of the movie. Nice guy, Eddie, steals the scene. He's in a lot of the movie. You know, like, Mr. Paint obviously steals the scene. He's in a lot of the movie. This is, like, it's supposed to be, like, a bit player, but it could be someone who's in the scene. So, who stands out at you? You're, like, once they're on screen, that's all you care about. Uh, it could be, perhaps, Quentin Tarantino, Mr. Brown, <laughs> but not necessarily in a yeah. good way. Oh, yeah. I guess Mr. Orange, but I would say in a bad way. Yeah, Mr. Orange in the car in a bad way kind of made me cringe. Yes. Like when he's bleeding on the back and he's just like kind of going back and forth from his British accent. It's just like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you might not agree with this one. Uh, I, I think uh, mm-hmm. Nice Guy Eddie at the end. I finally yeah. pay attention like to him and like my my focus of attention's on him when like they're all pointing the guns and it's just like yeah like you leave my dad alone kind of thing. Um. Mm-hmm. 
No, yeah, that's that's bad. Like my perception of him from most of the movie is like, all right, he's a whiny little daddy's boy. And then all of a sudden yeah. he becomes like a mob boss. Like I think that kind of just takes my attention kind of in a good way, but like, all right, like kind of a change of like the tone that I kind of perceive them as throughout the whole movie. He's supposed to be nice, Daddy Eddie, <laughs> not Top Taylor exactly. Eddie. Yeah. But this one, I mean, like, because it is all scene, like random scenes almost, like everyone's a scene oh, stealer, yeah. more or less. And that's that's like a Tarantino thing. Like everyone has this smart, like noticeable dialogue, so it's hard to pinpoint someone who steals a scene. Oh, yeah. When everyone's chewing it up. Anyway, time for tidbits. Trivia, anything that stood out that we haven't talked about before. And we got a lot. All right, let's hear it. All right. Here's something I thought of, and I don't know if I've Googled this. doesn't seem to be a commonly held thing. I thought that Harvey Keitel looked a lot like William Shatner from Star Trek in this. I kind of, I kind of got that same vibe. I'm like, he looks Especially familiar. like when he's in the tar. I think it's because like the way he's like looking back and talking. He looked a lot like William Shatner to me. And I was like, that's yeah. Weird. I think, like, yeah, he has, like, the same hairline type of, like, face structure or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, it's, like, the same kind of, like, permatan almost. Like, not that they're super tan, Mm -hmm. but, like, the permatan type of look. Like, the 1950s, 60s type of handsome guy look. Yeah. I think they're similar age. Um, Like I said already, Mr. Mr. Paint running from the tops is straight up Grand Theft Auto. Stood out to me. Uh, This is, like, now we're into real trivia that I have at least. Madonna, who's the main topic of the opening conversation, she was a big fan of that theory. Of uh, She really liked the film. She really liked Quentin Tarantino's theory, but not true. She sent a copy of her album to Quentin Tarantino. She said, to Quentin, it's not about dick. It's about love. Madonna. <laughs> I hope he has a friend. I do, too. I don't know. I feel like because, you know, we're... 25 madonna isn't really in our wheelhouse we're a little bit past her time yeah i'd say so but still a nice nice little fletch from madonna oh yeah big time i love it mr blonde's real name is vit vega he's played by michael madsen who i think is tremendous in oh, this. Yeah. and this is the same surname as vince john travolta from pulp fiction so vit vega vince vega vincent vega brothers and Quentin Tarantino wanted to do a prequel of Pulp Fiction of this, where they are like doing their thing that are on the run or whatever, like just an origin story for the Vega brothers. There's no Pete Double V Vega, <laughs> and unfortunately, the actors got too old, so it never happened, and he gave up. <sighs> but that would have been awesome. Yeah, because like just like Vincent Vega's unhinged oh, older brother, maybe or younger yeah. brother. But, you know, Disney's got that technology now to, like, you know, make people look young and CGI True. and crap. Like, well, let's make this happen. True. Disney, make it happen. Yes. But Travolta's, like, I don't know if he has gone bald or if he just shaved his head for most of his movies now, but... Yeah, you can throw on a ponytail, you know? Blonde Travolta, though, is kind of a mood, to be honest. Or blonde. Uh, bald Travolta. Like, the blonde, the bald Travolta movies are all banned. Hey, that's a fact. From Paris with Love. Terrible movie. I love it so much. <laughs> I love it. Um, like I said, Quentin Tarantino was determined. He was like, I'm going to make this movie no matter what. I don't care. Strip people like the Hollywood wasn't really interested in it. He's like, I'm going to make this movie $30,000. My boy, Lawrence Kasdan, who's a producer on it, one of his partners. And apparently, or Lawrence Bender. Lawrence Kasdan is a different producer. Uh, Lawrence Bender was going to play Nice Guy Eddie. Then, and this is kind of wild. So, Lawrence... Bender gave the movie to his acting coach, who I think passed it along to his wife, or like something like this, like some weird, crazy thing. Anyway, it winds up in the hands of Harvey Keitel, who reads it, he loves it, he calls him up, he's like, I'm going to be in this movie, I'm going to give you $1.5 million, and we're going to, like, he's going to help as a producer. Oh, man. Why? Best decision ever. I know, like this, because of that like Harvey Keitel getting involved, this movie is made and made well and launches Quentin Tarantino's career. And then we get Jackie Brown. We get Pulp Fiction. We get Inglorious Bastards, which is, which is incredible. Jane Doe, uh, Kill Bill. Oh, uh, yeah. So anyway, this, so that's trying to call like the Keitel part. 
I don't know if that's a thing in Hollywood. Matt Damon referred to Robin Williams' character in Goodwill Hunting as their title part. So when they were trying to get Goodwill Hunting made, him and Ben Affleck, they so I I don't remember, but I believe it was told like he, they wrote it with Robin Williams in mind, and they knew once they got Robin Williams on board, they'd be able to make the movie. So they called that their title part. Oh man! And so that's like a cool thing. Well, it's like a similarity with. And that sort of launched Matt Damon and Ben Affleck into the stratosphere. And this launched Quentin Tarantino into the stratosphere. Oh, damn. Dropping knowledge yep. bombs. I love it. Insider knowledge. Yep. Let's just listen to the Bill Simmons podcast, people. <laughs> Robert Kurtzman, who is the special effects makeup guy on this, he did the special effects makeup for free on the condition that Quentin Tarantino wrote the script for From Dust Till Dawn, which was Kurtzman's idea. And I think that's, like, I would work for free if Quentin Tarantino would, like, write a movie. That was one of my ideas. Oh, hell yeah. I'd be like, yeah, what do you need, like, 35 days of whatever? Yeah, easy. Oh, yeah. Quentin like, yeah, uh, write up presidential death match. Boom. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Another tidbit, uh, they used the entire song budget, soundtrack budget, on Stuck in the Middle with You, <laughs> which was a great choice. <laughs> I can't imagine, like, I know that's, I don't know if that was, like, a thing before this movie or if that kind of started it, but, like, the, hot, like, happy, upbeat song against horrible, horrible violence yeah. and stuff, like, I, so many movies do it badly, mm-hmm. and some just, but when you do that well, it's so great. Oh, yeah. One that I remember that did it really bad was uh, the Jumanji movie, which I did like, not the the Jumanji remake with the rock oh, and yeah. heart, which I did really mm-hmm. like, but there's a scene where Taron Dillon fights a bunch of bad guys and the song they use is just bad. Yeah. I think I know what you're referencing. Anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's a, like they just had, if they picked a better song, the scene would have been cool. Oh, yeah. But anyway, last one I have, last one on my list. If you got anything else, let them fire, let them rip. <sighs> the warehouse used in the film was actually an abandoned mortuary. Which is why uh, Mr. Blonde is sitting on a hearse during White and Paint's argument. Uh, in scenes with Mr. Orange in his apartment, the second floor of the mortuary was used and they made it look like a house apartment. And the location of this movie has since been demolished, which is unfortunate. Damn. You got to put up a plaque or something. I know. I would love to, like, just. I don't. That's so weird. Like. I bet they would like to do that over. I bet people would tour the Reservoir Dogs warehouse and just be like, here's where Mr. Orange sat soaked in blood. Yeah. Here's this room yeah. where Stuck in the Middle with You is just playing on a loop 24-8. Exactly. Oh, man. Here, Here's the dummy you can cut his ear off and torture him if you want. <laughs> Great stuff. Hell yeah. Nah, just, that, just like in context of that scene, like I, I think... Uh, like what adds to like how this scene is better than most where like they have the happy music during some gory shit. I, I just love mm-hmm. Mr. Blonde's little like shitty dance he does at the start. Like, yeah. Hey, which like, is it's, it's very top. reminiscent of but that's how Vincent Veda dances in Pulp Fiction. Like they're very similar oh, yeah. when he's dancing with uh Maya Wallace. Yeah, I yeah think? Maya Wallace. Oh man. uh so did you have any other things that stood out while you were watching this? Like anything you notice that you want to mention in tidbits or any trivia? Oh man, I got no trivia for this. I'm trying to think of like okay. standout moments or tidbits or anything. I I just I don't know. I, I love the way it was filmed, but like because it's like a it's a little rocky. It's like, like moving all the time, moving, yeah. Like constant motion, but like not like cutaways to like scenes like immediately. But it's just like yes. Like I I think just yeah the style of like the way they filmed it like great ten out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I got no tidbits okay. really. I, but honestly, you just educated me on a bunch of fun facts. So, goddamn, I do my best. <laughs> Chris, I lied. This is not the last category. We have another category. Ooh. If you were in a heist crew, what would your role be? Oh man. So here, do you want me to list the roles that are typically in heist movies, and then, then if you're something else, oh, yeah. let me know. Uh, yeah. What would you consider? So we got the leader of the mastermind. We got like the number two who's like, he's kind of the blue guy. I feel like he helps. He can have like a specific function, but more than that, he's usually like the leader's best friend, his confidant. So think like Brad Pitt in the Oceans movies. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, number three, we got like you to be a safe cracker. You could be a hacker. You could be the wheel man. You could be the wild card, like the guy who's like, everybody in the fucking ground. Or like you shoot a dart and he's like, he was going for his fucking gun. I had to shoot him. <laughs> so like sort of Mr. Blonde, but like usually not actually a psychopath. Yeah. Uh, you could be, and I think this is my role. If So I like to think I'd be the mastermind. If I'm not the mastermind, mm-hmm. I think I would be the guy that's like, calm down. It's not your, it's not your fucking money. It's the bank's mm-hmm. money. We're going to be in and out of your hair. Like everyone, like, hey, guys. I'd be like the team player, like the guy who goes between the hostages and the uh, the robbers. I'm like, hey, everyone, just be cool. We're not gonna fucking shoot mm-hmm. anybody. Just don't make us mad. Like, just let us get the money, and then we'll be yeah. gone. And you'd have a cool story to tell. No one's gonna get hurt. Oh yeah. Like just the, which I think is usually the number two, like the keep it cool mm-hmm. guy. And then like those are the main ones I think. Yeah. And there's other ones based on the movie, based on the heist. You could be the top, I guess, but that's lame. Nah, I, I wouldn't consider myself a narc. Nah. I feel like just because you're wearing a turtleneck right now, you could be the tech guy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude, it's one time. But who would you be? Who do you think? Uh, no, I, for me, I feel like if I were to choose, I would be someone kind of like Mr. White in the sense that like you're kind of like a second in command, but like you're just one of the confident guys who's there to get the job done and like, but who's also mm-hmm. willing to do like, the heinous shit if you have to like like all right like kill the bank teller okay. or something like just remember yeah. he, he was sitting in the car with a uh, mr orange or something he's like yeah like you cut their pinky off first and like he's like yeah yeah, yeah. he's like yeah like don't go out of your way to kill people but if you have to you gotta yeah. do it so like I, I feel like if i was involved in that it's just like all right like kind of in the back of my head you know have have that ready like but also i'm here to just stay laser focused get the job done and get these freaking diamonds Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess without with a turtleneck on, uh, I'm the tech guy. But honestly, uh, I I would do I would crack under pressure, like because I feel like that's the most important person of the whole process. Where like either have to crack a safe, shut off security, or whatever. Like if you fuck that up, the entire like the the entire heist like goes wrong. Yeah. So yeah. I would I would just crack under that kind of pressure. Yeah, you're not nerdy enough to be the tech guy. You're like, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. You can't I feel do it. That. You're too cool. You're too cool. <sighs> Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I would love, like, if there wasn't a... Uh, so, on uh, the Rewatchables episode mm-hmm. of this, Bill Simmons was talking about him and this guy named Kevin Wilds used to do this thing called, like, Half-Baked Ideas. And one of their Half-Baked Ideas was Felony Land. <laughs> and it was, like, an amusement park where you could... It was almost like Westworld, <laughs> but... You could just, like, so one of them would be, like, oh, here, so, like, picture Disney with all the separate parts. This one would be, like, Heist yeah. World. I feel like bank robbery is the only one this would work with because, like, doing heist would be oh, sick. Yeah. Like, if I could do a heist and the only people, like, it was, like, paintball people that mm-hmm. I kill, like, you know, like, I have a paintball gun and that's how I shoot oh, people. Yeah. That would be That'd awesome. Be sick as hell. That would be amazing. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I would love, like, if I, like, if I had to be a criminal, I would definitely be a bank robber. Oh, yeah. No, I, I feel like bank mm-hmm. robbing is just, it sounds like such an exciting profession. Like, I know, I know. Because at the heart of it, like, you're not out to, like, you know, harm other people physically. You're just there to, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like the con man type of yeah, bank yeah. robber, not the violent one. Anyway, people, I think that's all we got for you. Watch Reservoir Dogs. It's a nice movie. Oh, yeah. Net Suite, we're back with a heist episode. So this is going to be a real-life heist. No guest, to my knowledge. Net Suite is the Great Train Robbery. And so you hear Great Train Robbery, you're probably thinking 1800s. You're thinking Cowboys, Wild Hell West. Yeah. Nope. The Great Train Robbery of 1963. Yo, what? So stay tuned for that, people. Oh, I will sure be staying tuned. <laughs> So, Chris, where can the people find you? Anything you got to plug? Uh, I think the best plug to find me is on twitter.com slash SNIHBC. Mm-hmm. And he's funny. <laughs> I try my darndest. <laughs> uh, so, as always, people, if you did what you're hearing, make sure to hop on the podcast platform of your choice, drop the five-star rating, drop the five-star review, spread the word of mouth about this podcast, tell your friends if you love it, tell them, hey, check out this podcast, check out High Tea Obsessed. If you hate this podcast, tell your enemies to check them out. Tell them, be like, hey, this podcast slaps. So no matter what, just tell people about the podcast. 
And if you like memes, if you like weird videos, if you like me stealing people's music and then using it to make weird videos, uh, if you like contest-free spoilers, if you like book reviews, if you like anything, follow High Tea Obsessed on Instagram at High Tea underscore Obsessed underscore Podcast. So just search High Tea Obsessed. It has a weird Twilight Zone-inspired logo. And on Twitter at High Tea O Podcast. And until next time, people, shit, you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. Peace.